Uh, we know we're doing the Ten Commandments um, this week and the next week, and we're going to be on uh, Commandment 4. You think, whoa, we're going to cover a whole lot next week. Yeah, we're going to cover a whole lot next week, but it's going to be good, God willing. But the Ten Commandments, and this is the whole deal, all right? <clears throat> the Ten Commandments were not given by God as a means to establish a relationship with Him, all right? The Ten Commandments weren't given and says, hey, you do these ten things, and if you do these ten things, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll let you get into heaven. Maybe, 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 you know, you can have a relationship with me. No, the Ten Commandments were given as a confirmation of a relationship that God had already established, right? And if you get anything, if you get that, man, that is like the most important thing. Because so many of us think that, man, we got to somehow earn our way, way into a relationship with God, and man, I mess up all the time. You see, they were given as a, is as a confirmation that God didn't give these commandments for people to become his children, but he gave these commandments to people who, who were already his children. And the way the nation of Israel, who he first gave these commandments to, the way the nation of Israel became God's children was through something they did as an expression of faith. Remember, we talked about they put blood around their door, the blood of animals around their doorposts and all that, you know. And, um, and in doing so, they basically told God that they were trusting him to deliver them out of the nation of Israel, uh, out of the nation of Egypt. And God responded to their act of faith and delivered them. And the same is true for us today. No, we don't, um, we don't become children of God because we put blood, the blood of animals around our doorposts, even though I know some of you would think, that'd be kind of cool. I, I know Vern would say, like, that'd be kind of cool. I get, you know, you know that ulua I caught, I get the blood, you know. No, don't, don't work that way for us. But how it works for us is that we become children of God, not by, not by following these commandments, but we become children of God through an act of faith, right? That, that we put our faith and our trust and we believe God through his, through his Son and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and accepting His sacrifice for our sins and God delivers us from the bondage of sin and we enter into a relationship with Him. It's all about grace. It's all about for God so loved the world, he gave his son, Jesus, to be that sacrifice for us. So we no longer got to do the animal thing or anything like that. And we become God's children by believing, by accepting this gift of grace. And that's why Paul says it's by, by, you know, by faith that we become children of God. It's a recepting of God's grace, his gift uh, to us. And so God gives us, his children, these Ten Commandments, because he cares for us. We're already in a relationship with him, and he cares about our lives. He cares about our relationships. He cares about the things we care about. And then these commandments are given to guide us and to keep us from messing up our lives so that we can begin to experience everything God has for us. You see, the Ten Commandments are there for our good, you know, that, that, that it is for our benefit <clears throat> that they are given. And just understanding that will just totally 
transform the way you think about all the instructions, all the commandments, all the rules that we see in the Bible, and it'll just transform us. That if we will begin to look and say, hey, when God says this, that this is really for my good, you know? And as we begin to follow them and we begin to experience more of God in our lives, we'll begin to say, yeah, he's exactly right. That these things are given for me, not by this mean God who knows when we've been good, he knows when we've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. You know, not that kind of God, but a God who really loves us. And, and he gives us these rules because, and he gives us these commandments because we are already inside in a relationship with him, you know? And um, it just changes the way we think about God. You know, some of us think, man, he's this cosmic killjoy guy. He doesn't want us to have any fun, you know, that he's just waiting for us to mess up. But that's not the God that we serve. First three commandments, you know, that we look at. Anybody know where the, where the Ten Commandments are found? Yeah, I know, in the Bible, right, in Exodus chapter 20. Right? Exodus is pretty easy after Genesis, Exodus, and Exodus 20, chapter 20 is the Ten Commandments. And the first one, you know, is, is pretty much God saying that he wants us, he wants to be our one and only God. That knowing God's heart in giving the commandment is really easy to see. Yeah, he wants to be the center of our lives. You know, he's just one and only God. That, that's good. That's, that, that makes sense. The second one is, you know, God tells us not to make any images of him because it'll still, you know, all the images that we make, it'll shrink God down, you know, that those images will limit who we believe God is, you know, that God is greater than anything that we could ever kind of fashion and, and make, you know, that he's so much greater. He be, he's beyond anything we could ever think. And it says, don't just limit him by making all these images. And then the third one was don't misuse his name. You know, it's more than just, you know, saying naughty words, but it's really what Max was talking about a few weeks ago. It's misusing his name. And when you think about God and you think about who he is and you think about how much he loves us, we look at those and we think that kind of makes sense. You know, that really makes sense. Yeah, we understand why they'd be the top three, you know. But then there's this commandment, the fourth one, and it's the fourth, you know. Um, it's one of those that, most of us wouldn't even think it would be there. You know, in fact, if we, you know, I took a little, like, let's do a little quiz. You know, out of the Ten Commandments, let's write down the Ten Commandments. This might be one we might miss. You know, this is probably uh, a commandment that, that we have never, ever felt guilty violating. You know, um, if, you, if you stole, you know, you'd feel guilty. If you uh, committed adultery, you'd feel guilty. If you murdered someone, coveted, lusted, whatever, you felt guilty. But, but, but this, this is the fourth commandment. Right? After these top three, here's the fourth one and that God has given us, and most of us has, have never ever felt guilty about this one. And interestingly, um, this is given before the ones that we kind of know, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not murder, you know, all these kind of things. But this is given before that. And um, also, that when you look at Exodus 20, uh, this commandment, uh, there's the most words that are uh, given uh, in this commandment. There are more words and more explanation than any other commandment. And that's, what, that's the one I want to um, talk to you all about today. It's about observing the Sabbath. And observing the Sabbath is for us today. 
Yeah. That observing the Sabbath means that, that we take an entire day off from work every week. Right? Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 says, Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. And you read this. This is, top, this is the fourth commandment. And it's like, I mean, if you really think about it, you got to love a God. you got to love a God who puts taking a day off before things like murder and stealing and all that. That hey, He said, okay, God, we're here. Fourth commandment, what do you want us to do? Let's take a day off. Take a whole day off. To which you would say, that sounds really good, right? And, um, you know, the word Sabbath um, literally means, Hebrew word literally means, just to cease, or, yeah, it's just simply to rest, right? It's just to rest. And it would seem kind of odd, right? Or maybe even unrealistic. And, you know, you look and you're thinking about it like, man, taking an entire day off. I wish I could, right? But we're thinking, man, I just can't take an entire day off from work. And you would think, man, that's really unrealistic, but... It was as unrealistic, if not more so, to the people he first gave this commandment to. Yeah? That it would almost seem like God was being insensitive to the people that, the people that he first gave this commandment to. You see, this was a, a culture that was very dependent upon the work of their hands. It was a 24-7 kind of culture, a 24-7 kind of people who had just come out of slavery for 400 years. All they knew was slavery. Every waking moment they had was to serve the Egyptians. And any time they could scrape up, they'd you know, take that for themselves. But you know, there were people like, hey, do this, do that. They were on it. Right? They had no choice. You know? and, and now they're nomads in the wilderness, maybe up to 2 million of them, hoping to enter into an unknown land that God promises. And, and, and now, they who work nonstop as slaves now have to work, really, to stay alive, right? Um, if they didn't work, uh, they could die. You know, that um, it would be crazy to them that, remember, there's no storage for food, no refrigerators, no freezers, nothing like that. Uh, you don't work, you don't eat. You don't eat, then you don't live, you know. And here comes God, and God says, I want you all to do something. That I want you to observe, I want you to take an entire day off. Take an entire day off. And that would have been crazy to them. Because they knew, man, well, 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 if we don't work, we don't live. And, and yet, God commands them to take that entire day off from work. One day every week. And that's his commandment to us. That to remember every single week, no matter how busy, no matter how crazy, no matter how much pressure you're under, no, no matter how much is expected of you, deadlines, quotas, whatever, says take 
an entire day off from work. And this really must have been strange, right? And I would think, man, God, that's really insensitive to a group of people that you just yanked out of their land, even though they were slaves, and now they're in the wilderness. And, you know, in your bulletin, there's a little note about what the wilderness is. The wilderness isn't like lush with forests. It's like a desert is what the wilderness really is. And, And here it is. Take a day off. And why would God command them to do such a thing? If his commandments are given to his children, people already in a relationship with him, why would God say this, right? Because observing the Sabbath is an exercise of our faith. That observing the Sabbath is an exercise of our faith to trust God for everything. That's what the Sabbath is all about. It's a reminder, a practical step, and an exercise of our faith to trust God for everything, to depend on God for everything, to depend on God for His provisions, for His supply, for everything. That to trust God, that He would provide for seven days of our needs in just seven days, six days of work. See, that's what the Sabbath is all about. That we can trust God for seven days, even though he says just work for six, you know. And observing the Sabbath was not an easy thing for the people, and it's not an easy thing for us. But God had, ex- had provided an experience to them on what it really meant, to help them to understand what it really meant to, okay, how do you do this? Take an entire day off. Trust God for seven. Just work for six. And earlier, God had delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, right? They left with their families and, and, and not much else. Up to two million people, you know, just walking along in the wilderness. How much food could those people carry with them, you know? I don't know what they took, but they had to take stuff that weren't perishable, all right? So think about you're going to go out. You don't know how long it's going to take. You know you got to feed your family. You got to take stuff. And so I just think of the, the stuff that are non-perishable. They're kind of heavy, right? Rice is heavy, you know? Spam is like, I mean, you know, one can, I mean, how much cans of spam can you like, carry, you know? Bush baked beans, like my favorite. Man, that's heavy. You know, all the, all the light stuff, that's the perishable stuff, right? How much could they carry? Well, before long, they've been out a few months, and before long, they, they run out of food. And they got to take care of the old guys. They got to take care of the baby guys. They got to take care of everyone. Because a whole culture, imagine, a, a whole culture moves, a whole nation moves out, Right? And this whole nation is moving out, and, and they, they begin to run out of food. And they start to murmur and complain to Moses. Like, Moses, like, what are we going to do? We've got no more spam left, you know? And, and like you local guys, you know, like, uh, no more spam left. We only got treat. Nobody eats treat, right? Got to be spam or nothing, you know, running out of that stuff. What, you brought us to the desert to die? You know, and all these things. And they were worried they were going to starve to death 
because they were going to starve to death. But here's God. And God, out of his love, right, he's going to provide for his people. One day they get up and, and they, they look. There's all this strange white stuff covering the ground. Right? And they're looking at that and they're like, what is it? You know, what is it? And, and it was God's provision. It was God's daily bread, right? That was God's daily bread. And the Israelites called it manna, which literally meant, what is it? Right? It's like I was thinking about it, and again, if you're local here for a while, you've been in Hawaii a while, maybe, maybe I don't know how long you've been here, but um, you've, you've seen this thing that people eat that you can't even stand the smell of it. You know, natto, you know that natto thing? And, and you've never eaten that because you said, you know, I've made some of that when I've been sick with congestion. I don't know what that looks like, right? And, and you're looking at that and like, what is it? You know, that's what it is. You know, it's just something strange to these guys on the ground. And, and that would have been kind of cool, you know, like you get up, oh, you look, oh, it's out on the ground. And, and you're out there and I'm out there with Vern and we're hungry and like, what is that? I don't know, man. I never saw that before. Burn. Try home. Try home. Right? I mean, who would be the first? I mean, that'd be kind of cool. Like, not bad. Not bad. You sure? And you wait. You're not purple. You're not going to hide. And God provided his manna. And in Exodus 16, verse 16, the Lord gives instructions. He says, each household, you gather as much as you need. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. That's okay, shoot. They did what Moses had instructed, and they all had just enough. See? Because God was teaching them something. Right? They gathered it, that was enough. Verse 19, then Moses told them, do not keep any of it till morning. Right? Because you got no fridge, you got no freezer, all that stuff. Don't worry. You know, don't keep any until morning. But some of them didn't listen See, there's always hard-head people. You get two million people, it's like, you always get the hard-head guys. They're going to try. They didn't listen, kept some until morning, but by then it was full of maggots and a terrible smell. Moses was like, told you guys. And God was teaching them to trust Him for everything and that He would provide for them and He would provide for them just what they need every day. And I understand what those Israelites were doing and they were thinking. Because are we going to have some of this tomorrow? Is this like a one-shot deal? Right? I'm starving. I better get as much. I know what Moses said. I know what God's instructed. But what if, what if he's going to give us something every other day or whatever? You know, and you know how grumpy I am when I don't eat? And they tried. They tried to collect. But God was teaching them to trust Him for everything and to trust Him every day. That you got to trust me every day. And then in verse 20, you may gather the food for six days, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath. Okay? There will be no food on the ground that day. And some of the people went out anyway on the seventh day. There they are again, probably the same hard-head guys. They went out there. 
they found no food, you know. Yeah. I, I might have probably been one of those guys. Seventh day, I opened my tent. Oh, no more today. <laughs> I guess God was right, you know, right? Then the Lord asked Moses, how long these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? They must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. See, his commandments are for our benefit. And so he's saying, look, the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. That is why he gives you two days supply on the sixth day so that there will be enough for two days. I am going to provide for you seven days and just six days of work, right? On the Sabbath day, you must eat, stay in your place. Don't go out, pick up food on the seventh day. And so the people did not gather any food on the seventh day, and God was giving them a weekly reminder of their dependence on Him. And God said, yeah, I'm going I'm to provide for you. Sixth day, you pick up enough for two days. And I will provide for you for seven days, but you got to trust me that I'm going to give you what? Your daily bread. And God wanted them to understand, and God wanted to remind them and to put it in their memories and make it part of their values, because one day when they're, when they're so needy and they're starving, I'm going to follow God. But what about when they're all comfortable? And what about when they're just a strong nation? And God says, I want you to remember now so that when you're strong and when you're, you know, nations are coming to you and when you're just prosperous, then you'll remember me. And you'll remember that I am the God who has given you everything. And we're no different, you know. When we're sick, when I'm sick, God, God, God please heal me. Oh, I'm sorry. I worked too hard. And when you're all healthy, you kind of forget about what God tells you. And you just buckle loose. You just go until you get sick again. Oh, God, please. When you don't have money, oh, God, we need money. Oh, please. When you got a lot of money, it's like, oh, God who? Right? And God was giving them this weekly reminder. And it started when they were struggling as a nomad in the wilderness. And God says, hey, can you trust me for your daily bread? Can you trust me for everything? Can you trust me for seven days? Because I'm going to squeeze seven days out of your six days of work. And that seven days is a reminder. Every week, that's going to be a reminder that I will provide that the God who is your God, he will provide. And that's what the Sabbath is all about. The Sabbath is about remembering that everything we have is because of God. And it's about exercising our faith and trusting God for everything. That our faith to depend on God for our daily bread and really for everything. See, that's what the Sabbath is all about. And when we follow God and we follow His commandments, we experience His provisions and our faith grows. You see, everything God tells us is for our good and our benefit. By following Him in something that seems so illogical and so unreasonable and so insensitive and so countercultural, that when we do that, 
we experience something. We get blessed. We experience God's provisions, that our faith grows. And God wanted to be clear what this commandment was all about and what observing the Sabbath was all about, that in verse 20, Exodus chapter 20, verse 10, he goes on to say, on that day, on that seventh day, nobody in your household may do work. That includes you, your sons, your daughters, your males, your female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. And he would say, this is for everybody, because he knew that that's human nature. Because later on, when they became a prosperous nation, what they did was they forgot about this, and they said, hey, servants, I can't do any work today, because I got to trust my God, you do all the work for me. And they had people, they hired people to do the work so they could religiously observe the Sabbath. And God said, no, 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 no. This is for everybody. This is for everybody, including the ox, including the ox. That this is a day where there is no work done because this whole deal is not about the work. This whole deal is about trusting me for everything. As hard as it is, I'm going to remind you every week that you can trust me for seven days. Because I'm going to take one day and that day you rest. And the reason behind observing the Sabbath, we see in verse 11, for in six days, God says, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the seas, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, God rested. And that is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. God worked six days. And, you know, God don't get tired. God was like, whew, so tired. Got to take a day off. No. No. He was setting the example for us. Okay. And when the people heard this, and when Moses declared this to them, Hey, in six days, the Lord made everything. You know, it was a reminder. All right. God created what? Everything. Why are we here? Because of God. You know, created us. Why do we have jobs? Because God has created and provided them. Why do we have food to eat? Because God created and provided food. Everything we have is because God created and he provided. And so the Sabbath is a day of rest and to remember, and to remember that we could be doing more, we could be making more, we could be accomplishing more, but as important as all that is, there's something more important. There's something far more important. That is this constant and tangible trust in God, our provider, who created and provided everything we see and everything we need. It's remembering, it's remembering, you know, that we are who we are and we have what we have because of God, who is our provider. That's what the Sabbath is all about, that God will provide for everything we need 
you know, for seven days to provide it in six days of work. And I remember when I was, you know, in seminary, um, I look back and I think, yeah, I think, you know, God was teaching me this. You know, God was teaching me. I, I really um, never really understood, you know, because I didn't grow up in a culture where the Sabbath was, a, was you know, really um, practiced. You know, I didn't have come from a family that said, we're going to work for six, take a break on one day. I didn't know. But God, in his goodness and his mercy, see, when I was in seminary, uh, I, he began to show me. He gave me a good example of this. You know, um, in seminary, I had to work um, twice as hard as everybody else because I knew less than everybody else, and I really wasn't as smart as everybody else. And you think, oh, Mark, you're just being falsely uh, humble. No, 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 no. First week of seminary, I go there, and some of you are thinking, yeah, we understand totally, you know, that, yeah, you are kind of a, you know, anyway. But I went there, and, uh, you know, it was all gung-ho, man, so serve God, you know, all this, oh, seminary, go there. First week, I mean, um, and you're going to find this, and I've shared this before, but you're going to find this really, really hard to believe. And I came home one day, and I actually cried. I mean, I know, I know, I know, that's hard. Like, what? You cried? Like, yeah, I cried. You know, I said, Joe, we made a mistake. I didn't say it like that. I was like, <laughs> you, know, you know, like we cried. You know, John, we made, we made a mistake. Well, what do you mean? I, I can't do seminary. What do you mean you can't do seminary? But I don't even know the words they're using. That they're using like that. That's a different language, you know. And everybody in the class, I'm looking around, and everybody seems to understand, and they're chiming back, oh, yeah, you know, professor, about the whatever. And I'm like, I don't even know how to spell those words. And I said, I think, I think we made a mistake. And, you know, it was like, oh, but hung in there, and I knew that I had to work twice as hard, man. I mean, I lecture, taking notes, go home, rewrite the notes, read all this book, make notes, and then rewrite the notes, make cards, doing crazy things because I'm not passing nothing, you know, and there's all these papers, you know, and one day I felt like God was saying to me, and that was the norm, you know, just people just working all the time. And one day, I felt God say, I want you to take some time off every week. You know, to take a block of time off every weekend. Because, you know, here's Joe, she's working all week, you know. You get to go to seminary, you know, learn about God and all that. But, you know, she's just working. You don't hardly spend any time with her. So I need you to go and, and spend time. And so, you know, you know, it would either, you know, it was either okay, Friday after school, Friday afternoon, to Sunday afternoon, I mean, to Saturday afternoon, we spent a block of time, or all day Saturday, whatever it was. And, you know, I look back, that was like the greatest time. That some people go, you know, when they think back on seminaries, it's work, work, work. But we got to go to the Saturday Mart, we went to go pick berries, and, you know, we just went and went to Mount Hood a few times. I love Mount Hood. You know, we just did stuff. And, and not only did we get to do stuff, but we got closer together. You know, it was just like, the memories we have of seminary 
some of the greatest times in our lives, you know, and that I wouldn't do it. I mean, I was tempted, you know, test finals coming up on Monday, you know, and I know Sunday, you know, we, we served in church and all this stuff, but I was going to take that block of time. And I didn't really understand the Sabbath, that what God was doing. All I know, God was saying, take a block of time. And then after, it was like, oh, yeah, God was telling me that's my Sabbath. And I got to tell you that me being the kind of student I was and, and, and trying to put seven days of work and scrunch it into six, I saw God provide. And I never failed a class in seminary. You know, never, ever. I never really, like, had to cram all night, never sleep, like, the next morning. I didn't get addicted to coffee like most of my other students never did, you know. And um, God provided, you know. I mean, you know, I was average student at Castle High School. I was on the dean's list at the University of Hawaii, the dean who writes you a letter saying, if you don't get your grade point up, you're done, you know, that list, you know. You, can never, you cannot continue to school with a one point something in front of your name. You know, you can't do that, right? And that's the kind of student I was. And God said, I'm going to take that and, you know, I'm going to be faithful. And God was faithful. And that was amazing. And as I took a rest from my work, God provided. And my faith grew. You know, my faith grew. And I know... For Joe and I, those are foundational times in our marriage. And we wouldn't have had it if all I focused in was school. Because I had an excuse. Mark, can we go pick berries? No berries, school. You know, can we go get, it's peach season. No peaches, hermeneutics, you know. <clears throat> but we were so, so blessed. One of God's greatest commandments, top four, is to observe the Sabbath. And it's something that we need to choose to do. See, it's something we got to choose to do. Because it's not easy. It's not going to be convenient. It's going to be a choice and a decision. But I tell you guys what, it can be done. And God will bless. There was a guy named Truett Cathy, right? We don't know him too well here because we have none of his restaurants here. But those of you who ever been to one of his restaurants, you know that as far as fast foods go, that's pretty good, Chick-fil-A, right? One of the better fast food joints around. And uh, Stuart Cathy, from the very beginning, he's a follower of Christ. And from the very beginning, he says, you know what? We're not going to work on Sundays. You know, which could be one of the, you know, this is prime weekend, Right? All the people coming from church got to get something. No. Can you imagine how much revenue was lost? There was quite a bit, right, for not working, not opening on Sundays. This is what he said. He died in, I think, 2014. But this is what he said. I think, isn't that incredible? Isn't that neat that we can be closed on Sunday and that we're generating more business in six days then all these other tenants are generating in seven. What does that sound like? That's the Sabbath. And we can be with our families. See? Trick Kathy, he understood something. 
He said it. He said, we're generating more income in six days. God is providing for us seven days a week when we honor him and work just six. And I want to encourage you, challenge you, whatever you, nag you, make you just consider. Just consider that maybe for a month, maybe just try it out. You don't got to be on Sunday. It's not a special day. But to take one 24-hour period where you say, I'm just not going to do any work. I'm going to take a break from work. You know, and try it for a month. And see what happens. Just try it for a month. Just see what happens. You know, take God at his word. Because isn't that faith? Take God at his word and see what happens. That's faith. God can do amazing things. I got to share this because part of me is just so proud that from crying that first week in seminary, God honored six days of work, seven days. I ended seminary doing something I never even thought I could do. Because if I show you all my report card, there's nothing but A's on it. And that's not a testimony of how smart I am because you guys know how smart I am. I ain't very. That's a testimony of God's faithfulness. He said, Mark, I want it to be absolutely clear to you that I'm going to give you, I'm going to so provide for you that you're going to know it's just me. That's what all those A's are all about. See? Because I know I can't do that. I bet you even if I cheated, I can't do that. Okay? What does God say, Mark? Mark, that's what I can do. That's what God wants to do in your life. Right? Why don't you stand with me? We're going to sing a song. Take a deep breath. Consider yeah, I'm taking the Sabbath. You know, Father, I just pray. Will you just help us to understand this mysterious commandment that you put before thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not murder, and all those that we know so well. But you put this one right here. Will you just speak to us now? Encourage us. If you're a God who provides seven days, six days of work. Just thank you in Jesus' name.